This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is Andy Loves Art House, episode number 7. I'm your host Duncan McLeish, welcome to the show. So Andy is not on at this part of the show yet. Uh, I recorded this separate because the day that we actually recorded this, he was uh, he was leaving very early in the morning, so credit to the cause getting up as early as he did to record. But he was leaving early because he's going away to Spain for two and a half weeks on a, a little bit of a vacay and uh, yeah I couldn't nail him down to do an intro and an outro so you're stuck with me oh I know usually like the bants where we go back and forth what we've been watching and stuff and he will be back to do that on the next episode so yeah just me kicking this off thank you for joining me we have a ton of stuff coming up before the month is out we're kicking off this week with this episode here and then we are jumping into a little bonus episode on thursday covering la la rona the curse of la la rona um, and then on sunday we're swinging out another 88 films italian collection movie but uh, yeah, we have some business to get around to, and rather than prolong this introduction needlessly and take you away from the sweet, sweet voice of Andy Blockley, let's just get into that. So we're going to take a very short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for Uzumaki, a.k.a. Spiral. And when we return, we're discussing that movie, doing it right after this. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension of not only film and sound, but mind. A journey into an auditory movie review adventure that must be experienced to be believed. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Doomsday Clock. You can extract the Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock podcast by either searching for WYCH on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, tune in, and on your Android device. Which versus the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. So prepare yourself. The podcast ice is gonna break. わたし彼氏おじさんおばさん先生クラスメイトストーカー片つむり
And welcome back. So yeah, you just heard the trailer for Andy Loves Art House, episode number seven. Turning our attention to the east, we're going to Japan to do Uzumaki, a.k.a. Spiral, from 2000. This one is directed by, oh no, uh, Higuchinsky, which makes him sound like... I don't know, like a like a cross between a a Japanese director and a Russian mob leader, um, but it's based on the manga by Junji Ito, a very very famous um, kind of horror manga creator in Japan. Although I think he has done other little bits and bobs, he primarily does quite a lot of horror stuff, and it's become quite influential, uh, specifically his involvement. Uh, most recently, he was tapped to do a lot of the visual work for that uh, Silent Hill game that never happened, the Guillermo del Toro one, PT, I think it was what it was known as. Uh, and it got so far, and it was, it was if you played the kind of beta for it, it was absolutely fucking terrifying, and then the plug got pulled in it for some reason, but he's he's very, very famous over there specifically for his mangas, and Spiral uh, aka Uzumaki as it's known in um, Japan, is one of his more famous properties it was a series of comics and this one ran basically, had the story itself had not finished before they greenlit the movie so I believe, having never finished the mangas, that the manga story finishes different to the movie. But there's a lot of crossover, a lot of the visuals, a lot of what you see um, as terms of the, the horror in this one are just basically screen grabs directly from the comic recreated using digital effects or practical effects. So the movie stars a lot of Japanese people. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll try a couple of them because Andy needs a laugh. Uh, <laughs> Eriko Hatsune, a Fifan, Hinako Sekea, Iun Kuen Shin, Kiko Takashi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really good. <laughs> it's all bad. Uh, right, the synopsis for this one is the inhabitants of a small Japanese town become increasingly obsessed with and tormented by spirals. And yeah, I chose this one because we were originally talking about doing something like uh, Kaidawan, um, which is a very, very famous Japanese movie from the early 60s. And I know why that one is classed as an art house horror movie, because it's visually stunning. Um, but narratively speaking, it is very linear. And then I was thinking, let's we've just done Lynch. So we're already kind of a little bit messed up. So let's let's continue that train, and then when we bring it back to something a bit more conventional, maybe that will score a bit higher with you, because you've been so out, you planned it. I yeah, you've it's, been a, out it's a strategy. Yeah, you've been out the wall. I'm trying anything to get a five here, right? I'm literally nice. trying. I'm trying anything to meet the Andy Loves Art House title of this segment. That's literally what I'm yeah. doing. So I'm playing dirty now. So what I thought Andy was, really likes Art House. Yeah. <laughs> You haven't introduced me. I wasn't sure if you were talking to the audience or talking to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not that I need an introduction, sure. But 
I didn't I, get one. And I thought, I, I don't know, am I supposed to be, am I supposed to be talking yet? I, I, I should. The reason that generally in the format of these, you would be in at the start and at the end, but... Um, I'm in a hurry. You're in a hurry because you have a plane to catch and you're going away to Spain for two and a half weeks. Um, yeah, I thought I told you, but obviously I slipped my mind because no, no. nope. I've got uh, a lot of other shit on my mind as well. Because we were talking about off light, off air. So yep, and I, yeah, I dare say developments will be forthcoming uh, soon. You'll be able to enlighten everyone, so it's not one of these podcasts where we talk about all the, you know, all those conversations that no one else gets to hear. People are like, "Well, I want to hear that motherfucker." Oh yeah, it's nothing majorly like it's nothing fucking massive for the listeners. Just for me, I'm just uh, gonna like quit my job and do an apprenticeship, <laughs> and like, everything's just been a bit up in the air. We'll talk about it more maybe later on a yeah. different episode. But <laughs> yeah, but, that's why I'm a bit confused today because I've kind of my head's been all over the place. Yeah, so I'm, I picked the right movie for you then, obviously. Oh yeah, of course you did. Yeah, good one. <laughs> so yeah, so joining me, of course, is the fantastic Andy Blockley. Now, Andy, we survived. Uh, Lost Highway and then I kind of changed things up from where we were going this is what I picked and it's purely because I had seen it a few years ago and I remember it of all those early 2000s kind of Asian horror movies I mean this one comes right near the start I mean this is 2000 so this is before I think this is before Geon the Grudge and stuff like that as well I think in terms okay. of the chronology it's definitely before Black Water uh, Dark Water yeah. sorry Um I just remember this one always being a movie where visually it was just so striking and having watched it again last night and yeah, some of the CGI is a bit ropey, but maybe even for 2000s, maybe not too bad. I know plenty of Hollywood movies that have worse CGI than this. I do, I really like this movie, man. I really, really like this movie as a kind of, as a kind of almost like a metaphor for obsession. Um, and the the way the story, the way the story kind of rolls in on itself, very much like a spiral, um, I think is really interesting. But I got about halfway through my viewing last night, and I suddenly, suddenly got this really pressing feeling on my shoulders that you're going to hate this movie, and I don't, <laughs> I, I honestly don't know why because I was fairly confident. Before watching mm. it again, I was like, that. I remember this scene and I remember this scene and some of these visuals Andy's never seen before in a movie. And this is going to, you know, this this might actually, you know, press him up to maybe a 4.5. And then when I got halfway through the movie last night, I was like, Andy's going to give this a 1. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like really, really, really just kind of folded back in on myself. Um, tell us a little bit more about the story of Uzumaki and... Uh, yeah, you're gonna have to. T- I don't think this episode's gonna be long. Time constraints aside, uh, tell yeah. us uh, what what you made of it. Right, it's a weird one, isn't it? It's basically a town that's apparently been like cursed by these spirals. The girl like introduces the movies. You know, this is the name of my town, and yep. some really weird shit happened, and I'm gonna tell you about it. And the kind of then the story unfolds within that. It's it's hard to really explain because. <laughs> Like obviously there are spirals like occurring in nature, <laughs> yep. um, but you know they they just throw everything in the kitchen sink at you with this one. It's you know like a potter's wheel, like a snail. I really don't know how to fucking even explain it. It's just <laughs> they're just talking about like people are just obsessed with fucking spirals. Like people start turning into giant snails. That's fucking weird. Um, 
there's a there's a there's a lad at the beginning, right? You know, like when someone tells you something and you just get the complete wrong end of the stick and go, oh, I'm, I'm going to try that. Someone's obviously told this poor guy that women like surprises. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, so he's just <laughs> trying to fucking woo this girl. No means by... yes seems to be the other one. <laughs> yeah, it's the Roger Moore school of, oh, of, sedu- of seduction. Whereas if they say no, you just keep fucking going until they just give up because they've lost all their strength to fight. So, yeah, <laughs> this kid, he's fucking weird. Um, like, it, it is just weird because it is just like a sequence of sort of like a, just a, a load of like events. Like there's this one kid who just randomly turns up to school one day like he's just taken part in like the world's record-breaking Bukaki. Oh, God. <laughs> And the only people that seem to fucking notice, like they just go, oh, he, how come you're late again? I mean, wh- um, what do you mean, why are you late again? He's covered in fucking jizz. <laughs> no one notices. It's ridiculous. Like, it's the most normal thing in the world. Like, oh, so-and-so, he's just been to that Bukaki event again. Come on, you're late. You're late for school. <laughs> the Bukaki Olympics. <laughs> yeah, the Bukaki Olympics. <laughs> And what got me was, was I thought, hang on a minute, you know, if everyone's so obsessed with spirals in this town, how come no one's eating a Danish? This Not, is true. This I is never true. saw anyone eating a Danish. No one was watching Star Wars. I mean, you know, could be watching some Princess Leia here. Exactly. Yeah. No one's just sitting there. Oh, well, the guy does actually get a bit obsessed with his washing machine. And yeah. I thought, <laughs> that reminds me of this time when my mate, like, had to put a new handle on his washing machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like about a hundred quid to get someone to come and do it and the part was about three quid so he bought the part and then went on YouTube to get a video on how to fit this like spring in the handle and he found videos of people that have literally uploaded the entire cycle of their washing machine that's just weird so there's YouTube videos like you type in the name of your washing machine and someone's just positioned a camera on the door right and then and like it's a, it's a fucking two hour video of like a full cycle and my oh. mate was saying like in the comments there's people that have gone there's not in, there's nowhere near as much water in mine at that point in the cycle as there is in yours i mean we're, we're like, at the stage now that you telling me that makes uzumaki seem relatively normal, <laughs> normal isn't it but like that's mental that someone's actually sat and watched the video to compare the water level in that washing machine to the one in there's and going, i think there's something wrong with mine Jeez. or maybe there's something wrong with yours so yeah, maybe people are just a bit fucking obsessed with like weird shit like that. So I do kind of I like what you were saying there about maybe it is just like a big metaphor for for obsession because for me so. I, I needed think... something to pin my hat on with <laughs> this think, film. I think the thing about the movie as well is uh, it's a kind of this movie would pair really really well with something like Pontypool um, and maybe okay. even the number twenty three. Because uh, they oh, yeah. are, I remember that one, that Jim Carrey one, isn't it? Yeah. So basically, the the three are um, kind of tangentially linked, so to speak. What I like about the movie really is like, and we're using words like weird, but it's very difficult not to, and we're not using mm. it in the standard context of well, they're doing things in Japan that are different from here. No, generally the story is is positioned in, and it adds to the kind of surrealist nature of it coming from a manga. I think um, they've really just not tried to normalise it or ground it at all. They've basically said, you know, what what would happen if 
you know, this was just a given that in this town, um, the obsession on such a thing like a spiral would have this kind of almost body horror, uh, kind of transformative nature on people and you would obsess so much with it mentally that it would have physical effects but instead of the physical effects being you know like some people become obsessed with things that you know make them like computer games make them forget to eat um, you've, you you read things about um, like oh kids. that's happening to me at the minute dude I'm playing I'm playing Metroid right <laughs> oh, on the Game Boy <laughs> I only bought it to play on the plane <laughs> Because I don't like flying, so I've got, I bought the I bought this like Game Boy 3DS XL thing like fucking ages ago. Yeah, bought like the new Metroid game for it, which is still about like thirty five quid to buy. Like you know, Jesus. it's a fucking good game when yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I didn't I didn't pay that for it, but like that you know like second hand, it's still going for fucking silly money. So I thought I'm gonna get that. I played old played previous Metroid games. They've been really good. So I got it literally. It was meant to be just to play on the plane. I'm about halfway through it already. <laughs> like, I've not even got on the fucking plane yet. It's like I can't stop playing it. It's crazy. Well, like, this, this is the obsession thing. You end up not eating. This is why I don't have. A, this is why I don't have a PlayStation, mate. This is why I don't have one because it would be my life. That'd be you gone. Um, yeah. But in the in the terms of this one, it's it's like the 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 kind of it's almost a exaggerated version of the physical effects obsession, haven't you? And it's interesting because everyone seems to get a different tipping point. And I think it also adds to the the idea of kind of mass consumption as well. How that um, like when people start to there's like whenever any trend starts, there's always one person. There has to be at least one person that starts to trend and when that continues on it starts to snowball so it's not just one person at a time for long before it becomes two or three people or four people and then before you know it it's like 20 people at a time and i think the movie is is doing a lot of that i think also it perfectly replicates the idea of a spiral as well if you imagine if you start on the outside of a spiral and work in, it takes a long time to look back on yourself. So if you imagine one full revolution of that spiral takes quite long, but the closer you get in, the shorter it becomes, the more uh, maniacal it gets in terms of the speed and the quickness to get to the centre. That when you look at the initial first thing is a guy filming a snail, (laughs) <laughs> you know, what I mean? a snail shell, um, and by yeah. the end of this movie, it's there's a you know there's a fucking hurricane, a spiral hurricane going to hit, and the Tims all went crazy, and a guy's folded up on himself, and um, it, it kind of so there's a lot of metaphor in the movie as well, which I really like, and what I love about Japanese cinema specifically, but specifically in this movie even more so, is that they're not scared to just be out and out weird with things. And take a point and just exaggerate it to a level where it—it's kind of borderline scary, but borderline ridiculous. Yeah, and I, I love because that I, I don't because I don't like using the word weird to normally to to describe a film <laughs> like you know like when when basically for me like people that I know that aren't really that into films but obviously like just casual movie watchers maybe not fucking obsessed like me and you are sort of thing yeah. and like they watch something that's like doesn't fall within the within like Hollywood's parameters of what a movie should do they yeah. go oh it's weird like my mate oh, my, the original Mad Max is, is really weird get yeah. out my fucking sight <laughs> <laughs> like it isn't weird mate it's just like 
it's just not what it's just not they're not talking the way you're used to seeing people talk it's not flashy the way you're used to seeing a hollywood movie be flashy doesn't mean it's fucking weird right it just means it's like that but that's the only word people seem to know how to describe something that's just different from the norm like even like art house films basically oh yeah people usually always all go, past is weird yeah really weird so it's not weird it's just it's just different to what you're fucking used to seeing but this film is fucking just genuinely weird like and i can't really think of another fucking way to you know, to, to describe it. I think that's fair, though. I think that is. I think that's. Fair. I think even by, I think even in its its home country, I think this will be seen as weird. I think it's like Japan has a weird history with body horror. Um, yeah. Like we've spoken about Tetsuo the the Iron Tetsuo Man. And that, yeah. Yeah. But even when you look at how their manga went post Tetsuo, when you look at things like uh, Akira. Uh, or Ghost in the Shell. I mean, they start to spe- specifically look at, you know, the effects on the body through, you know, either technology or environment or, you know, th- these sort of things start to become quite prevalent and quite gross, if if I do say so. And that kind of moves on. And what's really interesting about uh, Junto Ito's kind of approach to body horror, which is definitely prevalent in here, I mean, this is a body horror movie, Um mm is that he has an elegance with it. There is something very elegant about a spiral shape. That you know what I mean? I, I can imagine like it's when you hear like if you ever get a chance, uh, do a bit of reading into I think you probably will have as me just assuming you won't have already, but anything that kind of covers the golden ratio, like the the mathematic equation that's found in all life. And oh, like the Da Vinci, like divine proportions. Yeah, yeah. So at yeah, yeah. at some point, at some point, someone has become obsessed with a theory or an idea. Like like most of anyone who has a theory on something, you become yeah. obsessed with it. And interestingly it. enough, it parallels. I mean, the movie is is a very clunky movie. I'm not I'm not going to walk out of this with a five by any stretch of the imagination. But the more I think about it, the more I think it really does replicate this idea of how we as people are are predisposed to try and... When something catches our attention or we need to find more information, the internet can be a vehicle where you can lose days researching something and end up in a different place from where you started. But it's the journey of, well, maybe this means this, maybe this relates to this. Before you know it, you've wasted a lot of time on things spiral to me mm. kind of captures metaphorically speaking a lot about not only obsession but how people can start to think you can almost warp your own perception of reality around a theory that you have not necessarily grounded in fact that some things are oh, yeah, just because you just want to squeeze and you just want to make it fit you yeah. like that's like they do that then they would loads of fucking like uh, market research and all kinds of stuff where they just basically they'll just keep they'll just rerun the experiment until they get the fucking answer they want of course even though it's completely not fucking like scientifically sound in any way they just go well just ask you know like if you ask a group of people if they like something and they go no i just ask a different group eventually we'll find yeah. the people that <laughs> Eight out of ten women. Eight out of ten women said this firmed up their skin and made them look ten years younger. Right, that's the group of women we'll use for the. Of course, the yeah. Well, we're not, not going to say like the the ten out of ten women said that this is shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know Ask I mean? a different ten. Ask another ten. Ask another. But it's true. Like you, people will warp. Um, even when you think about when you read things, 
Um, confirmation bias, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. You, you, you pick out the bits that make sense. Or you, what I think what this person meant... How, how very bold of you to assume the identity of someone else you don't know. You know what I mean? It's, it's th- yeah, this, right. and it's it's weird because I think whilst I, I'm I'm coming at it with a very I'm actually maybe portraying myself very much in the same way as I'm saying that this movie is trying to portray people. Um, but I, I I like these kind of grand ideas, and I like that what this movie does is it kind of touches on and shows you kind of filmic representations, albeit grossly out of proportion for what obsession kind of looks like and then what it does is it manifests a body horror equivalent on top of it so the outcome yeah. being um, whether it's you know a, a guy becoming so enraged because the the fish that he has in his miso soup which has a spiral pattern in it is gone so he will then like whisk up miso with a with a with chopsticks and a ball so he can see a spiral pattern or his eyes will <laughs> yeah. actually start to go into weird kind of disjointed shapes um, yeah. I mean to me nothing quite is one of the is one of the more kind of plain scenes in it but for some reason it always like I, we spoke about this before I, I like to very much be of the opinion that I'm in control of my surroundings I'm in control of what I'm yeah. doing and you know the the thought of me thinking I was seen, but everyone else thinking I was insane, um, is something that terrifies me. Where, where you know a medical professional could say to you, "No, you you don't like what you what you perceive your 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 reality isn't right." You know you need to take these drugs. That to me is terrifying. Um, yeah, well that's that's the scary. Yeah, I mean for me like. You know, like if someone's because if you're insane, you don't think you're insane when it's not. true fucking insanity. So, like for me, that's what freaks me out about like maybe you know like people that do these like ayahuasca ceremonies and yep. stuff. It's like you can have someone there going, "Oh, it's not real. It's not. Don't worry about it. You've just taken some drugs. Like yeah, everything's okay." But it's like, but to you, it's so fucking real. Like. No one can. Uh, I don't know. I'd be worried that no one could talk me around because I'd be convinced that well, no, this is real. You're you're the fucking illusion telling me that it's not real. Can't you? you know what I mean? It's like yeah. yeah, it's fucking. It's horrible. Like a horrible thought of not being in control. It's why I don't like flying. Yeah, it's exactly why I don't like fucking getting on the plane. And that's why I like to buy a fucking game to sit and play to cancel out my fucking. You know, sitting there going, oh fucking hell, I can't get off. <laughs> You know what I mean? You can't, can you? That's what I don't like about it. You, st- you fucking, you're trapped. And I know, like, statistically, it's the fucking, like, safest form of transport. Well, that doesn't mean, like, it's any fucking less scary. Of course not. Of course not. Because <laughs> if got... something goes wrong, you can't fucking, you can't get off. You can't, oh, can you just open the door? Let me out. No. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. mate. You fucking, you're on it. You're trapped. <laughs> you're here forever. Um, yeah. But th- there is that, there is that aspect. And I think for what I think this movie kind of does is as a one shot of to me what obsession looks like in a way where it unsettles me even though it's like the cinematography for the most part in this movie at times is fucking nuts absolutely incredible but there's a shot where the guy is talking about his dad and how his obsession with spirals is manifesting and you see him in the loft of his house and it's just spirals everywhere, like absolutely everywhere. And he's even holding them in his hands and tracing the lines of them. And 
I'm like, yeah, that is that is what obsession looks like. To him, that that is the most comforting scene thing imaginable is being surrounded yeah. by these shapes that come from everywhere and can be found in nature or man-made or like all these things to him that looks like the you know that's the most normal thing for him to do and it's comforting from someone outside mm. looking in it is the picture of insanity you know what i mean yeah. it's it's just it's it's chaos even though it's organized it's chaos because you're surrounded by the the one thing which is your obsession constantly and I think that's where the movie really works well. I think the movie works at its best where it stands as these individual set pieces of weird kind of abstract behaviour, but almost kind of on steroids. And you're watching going, this is fucking strange. But you yeah. get these one shots. This The stuff the movie fails at, I think, is a lot of the teen stuff in between of the can we rescue this town and how our main protagonist herself is very kind of lazy fair with with pretty much everything that's happening right up to the end she doesn't really yeah, get I mean, phased by anything no i mean for me they're almost like i think they were trying to go for the ring template yeah where it's like this mystery that kind of gets solved at the end and it's a very not necessarily that you get a happy ending but it's kind of there is a, you know a satisfying conclusion sure yeah yeah and you don't really get that um, no no to me that's yeah kind of i think i think i forgot that we're doing like you know, you know like in in the beginning like i was obviously needed to kind of got i got a bit obsessed actually right back at the beginning when we started doing this show of like finding like the hidden meanings and stuff because obviously we watched the first movie yeah I really struggled to see any like fucking hidden meaning in, in that, and then you like literally laid it all, all bare to me. I went, oh for fuck's sake! Like I didn't fucking pick up on any of that. Yeah. Right. And then I got a bit obsessed with like just fucking looking for the hidden meaning in loads of stuff. I can't remember if I told you when I was listening to that fucking pinball wizard song. You did, yeah. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> and uh, I was like, hang on, he's a fucking benefit fraud, a little cunt. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this when I knew I broke you too early? I was like, I yeah, right. We, we went in too and then, far. Like, we, yeah, and then I think like, and then like the last few films we've watched haven't really particularly had any hidden meaning. So no. I've just not been like, I've just like, it, I've just forgot to kind of go. Oh, now I should be looking for some hidden meaning in that. So with this film, instead of kind of going, oh, this is like a really good metaphor for for obsession, I kind of forgot that I'm supposed to be like really dissecting like you know, the subtext and all that sort of thing, and just went, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. But I, think that's, I, think that's, I think that's fair, though. I think this movie, yeah. maybe out of all the movies we've done thus far, is probably the most challenging, but at the same time, it's the most unrewarding. You know, I mean, like, so... Yeah, me, I guess, so even if I had particularly been searching for something, I probably wouldn't have found it so much anyway, really. Yeah, or you would have got to the end of it and said, well, you know, that feels like a really long way to explain obsession. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's me. Like, that's that's where I think the movie comes down. Um, interestingly enough, Junji Ito is like a relative recluse. Does very little interviews. 
Um, he's kind of he's kind of like the David Lynch of manga. He does he does very little interviews, and what he does speak about, he doesn't explain. So when it came to to them actually making this movie, they just took the panels from the comic books and just recreated them, and that, in a lot of respects, is what the movie feels like. It feels like a weird kind of art installation that you're walking around and seeing these individual these individual little set pieces play out. Um, mm. And the journey between those set pieces is really you being kind of as disinterested as the protagonist until you get to see this next set piece of horror. And some yeah. of it works really, really... The thing about the movie is some of it works really, really, really well. And you, if you're me, you get kind of dragged into... Well, specifically the first time, not so much this time. But you get dragged into trying to see, like you, you said earlier on, try to work out what it is that is exactly going on in this time and why no one else seems to be... I mean, the, the, there's a small sequence later on where the press finally arrive to do a bit of a story. Yeah. But it's not on the fact that people are, you know, becoming obsessed with spirals. It's more because a tornado is about to hit. And yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of, but this, even this idea of, well, tornadoes are spiraling, you know, all these sorts of things that, that happen in this movie, it, it, it exists in, in some weird world where people just kind of accept that this is just normal or to be expected. And the only character that has issue with it is the son of the, the guy who is, he's the love interest, but is the son of the guy who's taking the pictures of the snails. And you get this feeling that the the real reason he finds this weird is because he doesn't school with everyone else within the town. He actually yeah. goes out with They're the town. They're conditioned into thinking that's yeah. fine. And you think about that. If people, it's why folk horror is so great. You know, we like it's why movies like The Wicker Man and that are awesome. If you live in a community, of people, and you never travel out with that community, of people, and you have some weird activity from the outside like looking in that's kind of weird that they do that in your time that's just a normal thing that's how you've grown up and that that's your realm of normality it's only when someone brings their outside opinion to that that you know gives it context out with it's like people that live in North Korea you know that mm. their life is just well this is what we do and this is how we act and we don't act the other way or we get shot or taken away and it, it normalises weird behaviour that when you hear these stories about people that escape from North Korea and make their way to South Korea and switch on the TV and see like soap okay, operas and they have no idea they have no idea that these things exist out with the confines of their home and I think that's yeah. what's interesting when he his opinion right from the office there's something fucking weird happening here it's kind of started with yeah. my dad but I'm starting to track these patterns and on some level it makes sense that his love interest that our main protagonist in this movie never really she's like yeah maybe that is a bit weird but she never really gets into kind of a hyperventilative state with it because what she sees is well yeah maybe this is well well but, Maybe it isn't all that weird because, come on, the town's kind of, the town does this. Um, yeah, I mean, social conditioning for me is like fucking, it's completely fascinating. I think yeah. we could do a whole, we could talk for fucking hours on an episode about the, how, like, yeah, the human, like, as intelligent as humans are kind of meant to be, how fucking easy it is to condition someone to something is actually quite fucking scary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I've, like, experienced things that I've, like, read at work where, like for incestuous families 
like the like the, the, the brother and sister that are shagging each other don't realize that's a problem until they go to school yeah and people go what the fuck like that isn't fucking normal or like if their dad comes and fucking has sex with them every night yeah like they don't know that's a fucking problem yeah because you know, like you only that's only a problem because you've been fucking told it's a problem. Like for for people that's if that's all they've ever fucking known. Yeah. Then it isn't a fucking issue and it's a fucking hell that is horrendous. Like in you know, just in another countries how they fucking think torturing dogs to death because it makes the meat taste better is completely fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what well, I mean? Like just, just like so for me, social conditioning is is fucking fascinating. You know, cultural what's acceptable in some cultures and in some households and completely fucking unacceptable somewhere else. It's like yeah, it's fucking weird. And I think that's what struck me about the film and I hadn't really kind of noticed it until you pointed it out. But yeah, no one seems that bothered by what's going on obviously the kids in the classroom just completely overlooked the fact that that kid's covering fucking slime <laughs> yeah and yeah. he's just going you're all late again yeah <laughs> I, I like i'm you know it's like hang on a minute guys there's uh, something wrong with this picture <laughs> shall we address the elephant jizz in the room <laughs> yeah right bukaki shaped elephant jizz no we'll leave it we'll leave it he's just late again Come on, yeah. Steve. Yes, come on, Steve. Steve, like, and, and the thing is, that it's the start of the transformation of him becoming a snail as well. Like, we see the yeah, end effect. It's fucking weird, isn't it? Just climbing up and down buildings. So strange. So fucking weird. And um, I kind of, I kind of lo- love that about the movie, and that, and that it is kind of just, it's kind of nondescript, and it, it moves along. And when I think about. Like I mentioned earlier on, Pontypool would be a, a great movie to double build this up with. That's kind of what I love. The best aspects to me of Pontypool are the the point where there's all like because there's only one guy. The the radio host is the only one guy that really starts to connect the dots and see the problems here. But everyone else is kind of yeah. well, things are fine. And what do you mean? And oh yeah. And I, I, I kind of, you know, this guy's this guy's got a bit of a temper. We know that, and he's a bit off the wall, and maybe he's just trying to see things that, you know, th- this movie kind of just it lives in that sort of realm. And like I say, that doesn't excuse its issues. It definitely has issues. A lot of manga adaptations do have issues. The issues that they tend to have is one of the I think uh, Takashi Miki really struggles with it as well is that sometimes the idea of replicating what's on the page becomes more important than necessarily what is best for the story or what fits within the confine of a movie. I mean, movies are a completely different medium and you need to take those things on board when you do it. And I think that's at times where Uzumaki kind of falls over is where it tries to... Right, we're now going to travel to this place and start chapter number three. Um, That... I watch it and I I start to feel that people aren't necessarily behaving the right way or sometimes the journey isn't all that interesting. There's some wonderful use of cinematography in the movie. Some of the set designs are absolutely incredible and some of the reveals are really, really cool and like I say, some of the CGI not so great by today's standards at all. Specifically the girl with the hair when she's walking around in the hair flying about placing them that just looks (laughs) crap. Um, yeah. It really, really does. But it's an interesting journey, I mm. think, to get to that. And it's one of those movies where even by 
Japan standards. And we've like me and you have watched some weird movies in our time. And I remember I think I I think I introduced you to Tetsuo the Iron Man, which had we never done that as part of the you know the that was one of my picks, actually, but I hadn't seen it. I just picked it just to fucking surprise you. Yeah, yeah to, fill, to fill the numbers up. Had we not done that, Tetsuo the Iron Man would definitely have been something to be covered yeah. in Andy Loves Our House because, it, you know... But it's another movie where, up until that point, people hadn't seen anything like that before, even in Japan. No. And the effect it has out with it, without that movie, you don't have a movie like Uzumaki which once again seems to reset a lot of the... I can think of plenty of movies nowadays that come out from Japan, specifically some of those later Ring movies, the Japanese ones, or the later Grudge movies, or even the Grudge versus Ring movie, where they are using CGI effects to do with the hair and stuff that are right from this movie. Um, yeah. Which I think is, is interesting to see how how the the movie over there had a greater impact than it did over here because I hear no one ever talk of this movie it occasionally makes lists of weird movies you've never seen before Um, Mm -hmm. but you know it never really never really landed it never really found its audience Um, it's one of the reasons it's very difficult to get your hands on but I I think it's I think it's interesting Uh, and like I say I enjoy a lot of what the movie does but it now leads me to the question that I need to ask you because you've been very reserved. You've been very kind, Andy. You've been like, yeah, this was a bit weird. And yeah, I did think about this. And now you've made me think about that. You haven't really necessarily started stating an opinion on this one. Um, so unless there's anything else you want to talk about in this movie, I think we I think we pivot it around and uh, bring this in for, for great time couple of things just to mention i thought was funny right you know when the kid gets run over like near the end <laughs> yes <laughs> why was the driver heading towards that pole anyway because the kid kind of like <laughs> they yep. do that thing in a film where like the kid jumps out in the road he like slams his brakes on and then slams into a pole and so well, if the kid hadn't have jumped out you were gonna hit a pole anyway mate it's a bit like in you know like final destination at the end yep when that when near the end when that girl gets like cleared up by a bus yes yes they're stood they're stood on a corner Mm-hmm. So, but where's a bus coming from at that speed when they're on a corner? <laughs> yeah, it's very, yeah. <laughs> One of them just made me laugh. And obviously, and, no, and there's no relevance to my overall score, just one of them things that amuses me. And also, I sent you that thing, didn't I? The picture saying, like, uh, I think this movie was like, it has completely inspired that Alton Towers ride called The Smiler. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, it's very spiral. Don't know if you. <laughs> Don't know if you've ever been on that. You've nope. been to Alton Towers? It's not, not in years, not in years. My wife goes every year, though. Uh, I've not oh, been to Alton Towers? Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. God, that's a trek. Jesus. I know. I tell you, she goes down with her family. And I'd like, to okay. me, once you've done like once you've done Alton Towers, Alton Towers to me is like maybe something you go every five years, if that. Yeah, we used, we used to go all the time, and now we've kind of had our fill. But like the Smiler is awful. Like... <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you when I ended up like getting driven off a cliff in a car. No, right, like, I love how you throw these things at right now. What, what? Yeah, yeah. I went in France. My like, my brother like lives up like you had to, you know, like in them films where like you're driving up the side of a mountain to get somewhere. Yes. Well, that's where my my brother kind of lives in France at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, he was just driving like a twat, like just showing off basically, like in this this fucking five series BMW that he had, and uh, just lost control, and we smashed through the uh, like safety wall thing, and just Jesus. fucking went off a cliff. 
that is more pleasant than going on the Smiler. <laughs> Smiler is horrific. I don't know if they were being ironic when they named it the fucking Smiler. It's awful. Like, it's literally, I imagine, if you fucking, like, in a plane crash, it's horrendous. What, what does it do? Like, what um, is it? It's just, it's got, it's just four, it's a roller coaster with 14 loops. Oh, fuck that. So you literally just go one, look, look, two, three, four. It's just loop after loop. It's like it's it's got the most like loops of any roller coaster in the world. It's like it holds the record. Um, but it's just fucking horrendous, and it fucked up like about three or four years ago. As well. oh, did, you, did you hear that? On the is that, news? that one? All right. Fucking brutal. Like, let me just explain to anyone like maybe in America who just like, didn't hear about this. It's basically like a, about a three-minute ride in total by the time you've gone up the various like inclines and stuff. So obviously they have about four or five cars running at one time, you know, just otherwise obviously no one would fucking ride it, would they, if you have to wait three minutes for each car. So they've got like various sections of the track obviously operating like simultaneously and obviously one car is not meant to enter the different section until it knows that the previous car has left that section obviously you don't want two cars in the same fucking bit because they're just going to collide and apparently like it had been fucking up that day so they'd been sending around empty cars just to like you know as a safety thing just to get an empty car to see if it does the full kind of circle without any kind of like you know like the trips but like you know like the the warning lights coming on and this one car that had gone around empty, apparently, like, it, it failed to go up the incline, so it just slid back down into, like, the valley of the of the track. And they had this, uh, they like, they called out the engineer, and apparently he was saying he'd been, like, financially uh, rewarded if he can get it, like, back on time, like, you know, back running up as quick as possible, because I think it had not been open long. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know that there was an empty car on the track. He thought there was four cars out when there was actually five. So like when the ride got stuck at the top, full of people of like the like one of the one of the cars, it tripped a warning light to say that there was another car on that section of track, and he went, no, there's not. There's only four out. So he just overrid the like the safety warning Jesus. thing and just fucking cancelled the warning. So there's a fucking car sat there in like the valley on the track and then the other car full of people comes fucking careering down at like however many miles an hour and just slams into this fucking stationary empty car. Fucking hell. Brutal. Apparently like they didn't really know what had happened for like 20 minutes so like they didn't even call the fucking emergency services for 20 minutes. Meanwhile these people are fucking like bleeding out. Like two people lost their legs. Fucking mental. Like there was like concussion, punctured lungs. Apparently, the impact was the equivalent of like hitting a brick wall at ninety miles an hour. Jesus. Yeah. Like everyone survived because I guess you are strapped in pretty well. It's a bit like being death proof in that movie. Like, yeah, yeah. You're strapped in well, um, but yeah, like the two people on the front, like both had a leg amputated. Fuck. In mental and like the ride obviously closed for the season and then was open again the year after yeah of course, <laughs> I, re- of course. I, I reckon i reckon the queues are really short now <laughs> <laughs> like two minutes i need to ask my wife if she's ever been on that um yeah but it's fucking horrible and basically the like what the point i was making the um like the marketing thing for that is everybody's eyes are like fucking just spinning round in a spiral obviously because your brain's just fucking ruined from doing 14 loops at like 5g or whatever <laughs> crazy <laughs> talking of 5g did you like you know how they're putting 5g in everywhere now yes like, the, 
and everything. Did you see like the guy installing it in that other country had a full fucking anti-radiation suit on? Yes. <laughs> right. So what the fuck then? Like, and, and then I looked into it a bit more, and apparently, like people that live near those fucking pylons, like the cancer rate is just massive. On like for people that live near the fucking antenna. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, interestingly enough, there was a whole, uh, not that I advocate you listen to it because it's fucking nonsense, but there's a whole Alex Jones rant about 5G and basically what it does to your brain. Um, so. Has he got a point though? Is he right? If it's, I think, well, this is the thing, like, I, I don't want to think he's got a point and then you hear these stories and you're like, I don't want to live in a world where Alex Jones is right. <laughs> like, if yeah. anything. Turn like, the fucking frogs down. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? You, you don't, you don't want to. Have you, have you heard him when he's like, he's been on Joe Rogan and it's like, I don't know why Joe Rogan even has him on. Oh, of course, like, because it's clickbait. <laughs> it's like, I know it's clickbait, but like, it's not really the, the kind of guest Joe Rogan has, is it? Like, no. He knows it's just full of shit. And it's funny because Joe Rogan is just sitting there laughing, just going, yeah, what? Is I think this? It, it entertains him. And I think it's like people, like, regardless if you like him or don't like him, uh, Alex Jones, that is, you, the people, I, I mean, I, I listened to the whole four and a half hours of his most recent appearance. And I, halfway through, I'm like, warm. I have Ryan Lewis. I'm like, what are we doing here, guys? What are we doing? <laughs> just yeah, like, he's, he's, he's fucking... He's nuts. He's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, he's a bit like David Icke, right? Some of the stuff he says is, is fucking spot on. Yes. Because there is, there is just pure corruption in the world. And if you really fucking delve, delve deep into any kind of power system, power structure... You do you fucking wish you hadn't because yeah. it's just fucked up, right? So, but then he would just come out with something ridiculous like David Icke. Like I listened to David Icke for about half an hour and go, fucking hell, this guy's fucking brilliant. He knows exactly what the fuck's going on in this fucking planet of ours. Yeah. And then he'll talk about like lizard people, you know, the the, the lizard people. And I <laughs> yeah. go, oh, David. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I don't and I don't mind, right? If he wants to, if like if, if that's his theory, but there's no evidence of it. That's the issue. For the, me. Yeah. Like, a, the problem. The problem. With with, uh, the problem is false equivalency, right? And the false equivalency is that people go back and say, well, he was right about this. See if I say a hundred facts and one of those facts is right, that doesn't mean that I should be given the same credence as someone who says, you know, ten things and five things are right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it just means that at one point I got some, and that is the, that is the issue I think with Alex Jones is that a couple of things he has said have in the past been proved to be true. He has said it's like he, fucking Nostradamus, isn't it? Like yeah. loads of the stuff he predicted came true, but what about the thousand other things that he predicted that didn't? That didn't like, come true exactly. Like yeah. If, yeah, and I think that's where the issue comes. I think people don't see that he says a lot of things which people take as being I don't think he's fact checked retrospectively and I think that's the issue I think everyone should always be fact checked retrospectively especially if you're taking on board what he's saying is you know if someone's yeah. it's those people it's those doomsday people you know those like cultist people are like, well the world's going to end on the 13th of March you know I think that's the only time people actually like concentrate on specific dates mentioned by people as well well no he said it was going to end then it didn't end um, <laughs> but you know these people are the same people that then got that actually I misread this it'll end you know three years from now and then people accept it again they'll film me once shame on me you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. I, 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 come on what the fuck are we and it is like that um, yeah. 
and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like you hear these things, and I do. Like I I, I read the, the same thing about five G, and I was like, what the fuck? And then I remembered that Alex Jones had talked about it. I was like, oh no. But you know, the I don't know. Time what? Doesn't mean he's wrong. Doesn't mean he's wrong, but doesn't mean that I have to believe everything he says is right either. People of the internet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right. So <laughs> that was a, that was oh, a massive yeah. aside again. Uzumaki. Anyway. Yeah, Uzumaki. Out of five, what would you grade this film and why? It's just a two. Ah, uh, well, it's higher than I thought you were going to go. So. Okay, I, I can't, I can't hate it because it didn't, like, it didn't make me fucking like angry. I was just a bit frustrated and disappointed. I think by the end, I think for me, like, there's my absurdity tolerance. I think is going like lower and lower, like yeah. as I get older and the more films I watch. So for me, like obviously I'm a massive horror fan, and for me every horror film there is some level of absurdity that you need to completely accept to be able to appreciate that movie. No matter what fucking film it is, you know, like The Ring, Pet Cemetery, fucking Nightmare on Elm Street, whatever it is, it's completely absurd. And if all you can see is how absurd it is, you can't enjoy the film. So what you need is a really good story, like it's got to be like well shot with good characters and a good script and something to really suck you in. So when something absurd happens, you go, oh, this is great. This is like, you know, I'm, I'm well into this now. And for me, like Spiral was just absurd. And I couldn't fucking see past, see past it. Yeah. I was just kind of thinking, this is fucking, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> so for me, like bits that I think were supposed to be like creepy just made me laugh. And I don't know if that's because the effect was particularly bad or, do you know what I mean? Like some bits that I kind of thought, yeah, I know what they, like that wasn't meant to make me laugh. That yeah. wasn't meant to creep me out. And it, all it did was make me laugh. Like there's a film on Netflix. There's a, there's a few of them actually called, I think Dabe, like D-A-double-B-E. Uh-huh. They're like Turkish horror films. I don't think you've ever seen any of them. I haven't, no. Um, well, I like looked. I looked at what, what, according to IMDb, for for what it's worth, is the best one, um, and decided to watch that one. And like, I don't know if ten years ago I'd have thought it was fucking brilliant, but <laughs> it's just so stupid. Like, there's a bit where they realise that there's been like this curse, like put on the toilet of the house, and it's, to do, and it's something to do with like, but it's obviously all like Turkish folklore and stuff. And it's something to do with the fact that it touches the floor and and can and daylight shines on it. It's obviously in Turkey they have those floor toilets, so it's like, oh fuck, it's probably the toilet like that touches the ground and it's got the sunlight on it. So like they go out to the toilet and he like smashes it with a pickaxe. And they're just pulling all this really weird shit out of the toilet, like a fucking like bull's head and like loads of like weird artifacts and dolls. And it's obviously it's meant to be really fucking creepy. Oh my god, look at all this weird shit in the toilet. How did it get there? And I was just fucking laughing at it. And like, and I don't know if in a different day or on a different fucking time I'd watch that film and go, oh god, this is great because like the whole film is just about all this like backstory and all this Turkish folklore and stuff. And it should be really good. And for some reason, I just thought this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I said to Rachel, I don't. I saw that there was like an hour left, and I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I literally, I've not got another hour of watching this image. She went, Yeah, it's fucking stupid, isn't it? And for me, like, I think I'm just a bit too critical of stuff. So if something's just really absurd, and that's all I can fucking see it for, I, I just can't enjoy it. And unfortunately, that's kind of what happened with Spiral. And talking about it with you kind of made me think, Yeah, I get the whole like metaphor for obsession. 
Mm-hmm. And that does make sense, and that is it is a good representation of that because people are literally just obsessed to the point where they'll die for their obsession, which is obviously quite a fascinating thing. Um, but because I wasn't in that mindset when I watched it, and yeah, it's just like I don't think I'll ever watch it again, and I didn't really like it, which is a shame. So sorry, dude. We're, <laughs> we're, we're sliding back. We need we need something to bring us back up. We do, we do. I have some ideas, I have some ideas. I will see in terms of my grade, I would grade this one a four. Um, interestingly okay. enough, had you asked me before coming to this, I would have probably said this one was nearer a five from my memory of it, um, from a, a couple of years ago. Sitting down, I, I could see that I definitely got swept up the first time I watched it with the visuals, and it was just like, I've never seen anything like this before. Um and I, I'm, it's weird because normally when I'm talking to you about a film, it can often elevate the score because I'll yeah. go, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, God. Yeah. But not, not that you're losing your touch or anything, just on this occasion. It just, uh, yeah, even even your words of wisdom just couldn't yeah. it for me. I, I went too weird. Sorry. <laughs> never go too weird um, right so uh, you are about to jet off for, for your holiday the only thing that's left for us to do is really very quickly kind of sort out where we go next uh, and cool. what movie now once again it wouldn't be uh, Andy Loves Art House without me saying this is what we're going to do Andy and then kind of changing my mind <laughs> um, yeah. I, I have I have like two options for you that I would like you to, to mull over and if you don't make your decision right now that is fine but okay. I would either want to um, now if you've seen either one of these movies then that makes the, the, the process a little bit easier but I think yep. we either do um, The Strange Colour of Your Body's Tears next okay. which is yeah, very modern and shallow um, owes everything to Argento and, uh, and stuff um, but it's really 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 weird it's a, it's a total head fuck of a movie um, so there's a strange colour of your body's tears or uh, a little lesser known movie that I saw two years ago and actually fell in love with it after I stopped laughing hysterically in the first ten minutes of it because I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on um, okay. a, a little movie by the name of The Evil Within Ah, okay, is, I've never even heard of that one. Yeah, right, so I, I, it's up to you. I will leave it with you. Um, the Strange Colour of Your Body's Tears is like a... It's a neo-jallo. It's directed by a Belgian couple. Um, or you can go with The Evil Within, which uh, was directed by a millionaire speed addict who died before the production finished. Wow. <laughs> Okay, leave it with me. Right, so that's your choices, ladies and gents. So we wanted those two. We will let you know in advance. Um, And then I promise, I promise the the week after that we'll hit back into things like Kaidawan and and some of the other ones we've been talking about. But off the back of Uzumaki, I'm feeling reckless. um, And I feel like we need to try something, something... Something a bit out there, even more than this. All right. So wicked. Okay. Cool. <laughs> right. Um, the only thing that's left for me to say is have a fantastic holiday, son. Enjoy your two yep. weeks in Thanks, the sun. Mate. And um, we'll do. We'll do. Come back relaxed, refreshed, and ready to be head fucked. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. Cool. Nice one, mate. Thank you. Right. Uh, I'm going to take my final break. When I come back, I'm closing up the show, and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. 
And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been Andy Loves Art House, episode number seven. We were looking at a little G art house horror movie called Uzumaki. There we go. Not having the success of previous movies with Andy Blockley, but nonetheless giving them a bit of food for thought and expanding that knowledge, that knowledge bracket full of art house horror. He has two movies of which to choose on next and because we were time constrained and hopefully as we speak just now he is well safe and sound over in Spain drinking sangria and chilling himself out. Uh, when he returns he will give me the reply to which movie we will be doing next and we'll let you know in advance so you can check that out before listening to this show there's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs as always I say check us out on Apple Podcasts come across subscribe to the feed that way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue leave us a rating and a review it's the best way to support us on that platform you can also check us out at Stitcher Smart Radio SoundCloud Google Play a little bit of tune in and of course that's Spotify come across to our website it's tputzcast.com um, and if you want to support the show by throwing us some pennies getting a cool poster or some enamel pins for your collection then you can do it by visiting our Big Cartel page Big Cartel can be found at tputzcast.bigcartel.com nice and simple you can check us out in two different places on Facebook if you want to join the group page chat with other listeners talk about horror and god knows what else that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast if alternatively you only want to know when the shows are dropping occasionally check out a live stream or a Thursday Thursday then it's the Facebook page you want that's facebook.com forward slash cast. you can interact with myself and the bands and the twin prongs the social media section it's Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at Teapots cast. The podcast Under the Stairs will return this Thursday with a special bonus episode looking at the curse of La Llorona. But until then, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live for Under the Stairs and I am signing off. Mm-hmm.